Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside me this evening, Emily Hayes. It's me, Emily. How you doing, Emily? I'm good. We're doing my favorite thing in the world right now. Well, we're showcasing some regional music, so folks living here in the River Region, you could enjoy this and know this is coming from your part of the world, but I've found some new listeners beyond these parts. What? This is GT, and the name of the song is Growing Together. Yeah. Nice. See, I can't talk up the post. I'm not like you music jocks. Well, this is a this is one that you don't talk up the post. It's got a nice, long intro. Okay. You don't really get to the vocal until about a minute in, because the song will shift gears. Well, and this is part of, well, I want to create thirst. Because I know there are people already listening, but on Sunday nights, you do a local music block, right? Yeah, on uh, on The Gump, on our sister station, 104.9, The Gump. What time Sunday nights? It starts at 9. It's a part of something we call the Sunday local block. And uh, this is where it's... Yeah, oh. sorry. I'll, I will space out. Um, you see it? Yeah, I, just uh, I see. see like, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, it's cool. It's uh, yeah. It's like almost a like a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the Sunday local block on the Gump every Sunday night, starting at seven. Uh, the first two hours is the Capital City Countdown. Okay. And we count down the top thirty alternative songs streamed by people in the River Region. Because you know. We're fancy like that. We can get our hands on that data of what no, you're, but that's what you're awesome. streaming. Yeah, it's great because it's it, it's everything from you know old Foo Fighters from the Color and Shape to the latest from AJR, which okay. is a new band out of Manhattan. Because it's the 30 alternative tracks streamed by people in the River Region. So you're you're looking into like Spotify, anything all else, streaming yeah. services. All yeah. Streaming services. So you know if you go back and. You're listening to Temple of the Dog, and then the next thing you stream is um, Imagine Dragons. Hmm. You know, that all fa- falls under the alternative category. But then after the Capital City Countdown, at 9, from 9 to 10, we do the Gump Local Showcase. And okay. that's where we just turn the spotlight on the great state of Alabama, but focus it in on the river region. So you'll get a lot of artists uh, from... Montgomery and the surrounding areas, but then you'll also get some some folks from Birmingham or Huntsville or Mobile that are writing original music and touring throughout the state and throughout the southeast. Like that band you just heard, GT, mm-hmm. they're from Birmingham. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, and it's awesome because, you know, it used to be I would hear newer bands and go, meh, mm-hmm. and I'd be a snob. Yeah. But everything you have thrown my way, it's not always like 
my genre, but I, these days I don't really have a genre. I went from listening to Super Tramp to Prince to Saxon the other day. Wow. Yeah, it was a weird day. It was a very weird mm. day. But I had to get in my 80s metal, yeah. you know. And the bands played on. <laughs> I needed that, you know. Like, I think if I could be a lead singer in any group, it would be a metal band. Like, I would listen to Yacht Rock. Mm -hmm. I'd listen to some Steely Dan. But then, if I was actually performing, be like, and I'm gonna dress like a woman, <laughs> and I'm gonna sing about the devil. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would do. That's what I would do. So, But everything you're throwing at me these days, um, I like it. It's really cool to see... How people also don't need to, like, get signed, man. No, no. Like, you can make a living these days without having to go through the belly of the beast of the music industry. Yeah, it can be very compromising. I've had some friends that have had the big Warner Brothers record deal and moved from Charleston to Manhattan mm. and just become another cog in the machine. They're... They, you're just one of many at that point, and uh, and it takes some uh, some stones uh, to tell these companies that are going to throw a lot of money at you mm -hmm. initially, at least. Then no, we're going to do what we want. Don't give us a producer that's going to tell us how to do our music. Yeah, I mean maybe some people want that. They want a little bit of help in in the studio, but if I was doing it, I would not want. I would listen to people who are talented and take input and criticism, but I, at the end of the day, if you're an artist, I think you should want creative control. Oh, absolutely, and I feel that these days, um, the do-it-yourself stuff, it, it, I don't want to say it's easier, because you still have to have the money to get quality equipment, and you maybe skate on some stuff, or you can borrow a friend's setup or something, but there are so many smaller labels, mm -hmm. if you'll think about it like that. Um, instead of something huge like Warner Brothers or Atlantic, you have things like Communicating Vessels out of out of Birmingham, and then you have uh, This is American Music. You have Single Lock out of Florence. And those, they're, they're little small labels, and they have maybe like five artists or ten in their stable, but what they do is take the place of a band signing their life away mm -hmm. for upfront money to go into the studio and record a record and be able to afford going on tour and playing a room with only three paying customers, you know? They kind of eliminate that where they, they add in the support for you going on the road, they help you book, and uh, like with Communicating Vessels in Birmingham, I've had the ability to tour that studio. And yeah. it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. So you're getting in a uh, quality... Um, and a quality studio with quality people to produce and help you arrange and but you're not signing on the dotted line and giving away everything that makes you great right, and right. getting handcuffed well and if you take though a 30 40 year perspective not a you know half century mm -hmm. it is easier because quality equipment now I mean it still can cost you several grand but 
it only costs you several grand compared to studio time. It's still expensive these days, but you needed in the 70s and the yeah. 60s like a top-notch studio that only a big company could afford to put up and put together. Mm-hmm. And now you don't necessarily need that. And it's amazing to me too like how many people these days get like rejected on these sing like I think somebody told me that Tori Kelly, who's now this huge pop star. Uh, she got rejected on some of the contestant shows, like the The Voice or American Idol, and they're like, "Oh, you're not good enough." Mm. And so she started posting online, and she—it's huge. It is huge. And I saw something crazy the other day. I've been watching my roommate's head on the Four, which is the new singing competition show uh, on, on Fox with Diddy, and I do like Khaled on that show. Yeah. He's freaking hilarious. I've never watched it. To be honest with you, I've never watched it. At so. first, I was skeptical and actually like the format of the show. Somebody comes on, and they're already, when they start off the season, four people in the four chairs, who are usually pretty established people. Like, one was a a Guatemalan princess, essentially. Like, she had been a huge pop star in Guatemala. Incredible singer. So they have established really talented people. One guy was uh, part of a boy brand, boy brand, boy band in Britain. Still right on with it. Um, And he said, I want to do a solo career. Amazing soul singer. Um, and so what happens is somebody will come on and audition, essentially, for the judges. And it used to be another guy named Charlie on there, but he had got caught up in the Me Too thing. Oh. Yeah, so now it's Diddy, Megan Trainer, and uh, DJ Khaled. And so the person comes on, does a song, and if the three judges vote you through... You then get to challenge one of the four people up there. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and so it's like a battle. And there are like hip-hop artists on there, too. Yeah. So it can be all sorts of different types of battles and styles. And then the audience votes who wins the battle. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the four chairs by the end, by the finale, you compete to win the thing. And you get like a huge record deal and you're like the artist of the year on iHeart or something like that. Oh, wow. So you get thousands of plays on a big corporate station. Yeah. Well, and I but I was thinking about that. I'm like that's not how I would want to hit it big. I mean, I guess you take what you can get, but it's like, okay do people really like me or is that just what was shoved down their throats or their ears because everybody's listening to just this one Big company. You're touching on something that's. Uh, I can see your face. Yeah, I'm trying. Um, I'm trying to make you mad. Oh well, I'm not mad. Okay. Per se, but let's also. Beclimped. <laughs> let's just keep it. Peeved. Uh, let's just keep in mind that my radio career has been for what you would call mom and pop radio stations. Yes. I've only ever worked for locally owned and operated I love this radio though. companies because you're invested in the community and um, and the community loves you because you're actually here and you know what's going on. It's not somebody out of New York voice tracking a show. Well, and we wouldn't, I think in most stations, I wouldn't be allowed to do what we're doing right now. No, you wouldn't. Um, Which is stupid. <laughs> yeah, because this is, this is, great radio this is compelling radio to to have the freedom to do that and we're very lucky to to work for the buttery one well and i like the talk and shop we're doing right now yeah. i mean because i i think too many people are controlled they're um 
whether it's TV, radio, all sorts of other industries, because they're not necessarily worried about the boss down the hall, but they're worried the boss down the hall is worried about somebody who doesn't even live in the frickin' city. Yeah. Everybody, and this is the way it works. I've, I've talked to the buttery one about this when he was on the show. He said, I, I've i worked in that environment. And if you're trying to make certain you know targets and these sort of things, certain margins, and you need to be able to report and show the board, you have to create rules and standards so you know what's going on. Yeah. But it gets so big and so unwieldy that you, I think, sometimes crush creativity. You do, and you lose touch with your audience, and you, it, and it's almost like there's this barrier put up. But the thing that you touched on a moment ago about uh, that music just being shoved down people's throats and you're told that it's good. If you hear something enough... You start to, some people, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully. Well, just let it out. Just don't curse. <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, if you if you have a favorite radio station and you trust that DJ, and that DJ has no control over what's been programmed for mm. their shift, and you hear the same artist uh, in power rotation, so you hear it so much that you either become burnout on it or you're kind of tricked into thinking that that's good music mm. because especially if you're young yeah because especially the pre like preteen audience why would they play it so much if it's not good you know you want to trust and when i was growing up you would trust the people that you listen to i still listen to scott register and i know you've heard me talk about him before mm-hmm Regis Coffee House is an institution. It's well respected by by so many in uh especially in the AAA format, which is the adult album alternative format. But Regis he's the last living tastemaker. That show is I want to say at least 15 years old and he would play people that you had never heard of, but as as somebody in radio, as a music director, an assistant music director, or a program director, you get all this, at that time, you get all these CDs sent to you, and you take the time to get to go through them and stuff, and if they didn't have a big push behind them from a record label, oftentimes they would get overlooked, but Reg would take the time to listen to all that stuff and filter it out, Right. What's what deserves to be heard versus eh, this is not quite there yet so when you say that everything i've thrown at you that i like you it. like it you're a good taste that man. makes me feel good it makes me feel like i'm doing my job because i've gotten a lot of stuff that's not going to go it. on the air well no and i'm a little interested in that process so like here i'll i'll play a random song okay. say like oh well, how about this yeah the band dirty longs mm-hmm. The song, I can't relate to it. Maybe I can on some nights. I suck in bed. Hit the post. Where did you go? Oh. Well, I was just, I'm a natural, I guess. Sometimes I don't hit the post. <laughs> and I relate to this song. <laughs> but like, so how do you, how do you find dirty logs? I want to kind of know how the process works, if you don't mind sharing. I saw them... I love that part. For some reason. I saw them um, years ago at the Nick, which is the grungiest, most 
horrible, lovable place ever. So you're at this grungy, horrible, lovable yeah. place, and you see this band. I see the, I see Dirty Lungs, and it's just the reaction that I just had in front of you where, like, I'm moving. You're rocking. You're, yeah. You're, it takes it, over your whole body. Yeah. If something can grab me that quickly, it's going to grab somebody else that quickly. And um, so you're like, hey, guys. It's that dirty, jangly, rock and roll, fast, hard, and they just... It's done well, mm-hmm. you know? It's not dirty, jangly rock and roll that's fallen apart, out of time, poorly recorded, poorly executed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know... So, because you saw them, you like them, you reach out, do you tell these bands, hey, I'm showcasing you? Sometimes I do, sometimes, sometimes I don't. don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It depends. It, it, you know, it's whatever strikes my fancy that day. Okay. Like, I've been toying with the idea of... For the Gump Local Showcase, I put that I put that show together every week um, because I get submissions every week, and I want it to be fresh and and feature a wide variety of stuff. Um, so when when I'm putting that together, I hand write the list and take it to the buttery one. <clears throat> like if you were to look on his desk right now, there'd mm-hmm. be a, a, a legal sheet of paper. Like yeah, a legal, legal notebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, at the top, it says the Gump Local Showcase number five, and it's all, I've written it out for him. I've got the way I want this, like, I want the segments to go a certain way, and today, my door was closed. I saw the post-it note, though. You yeah. said, I'm doing music stuff. It's, like, annoying to some people if my door's open. Just knock and come in. Yeah. So I knocked. And you I came did a little rapper, rapper, rap. rap, rap. Mm-hmm. You came in, you sat down, and you heard something that I wish I could play yeah. on the Gump, but it doesn't fit the alternative format. So I'm gonna, you know, I got DJ Fresh a pretty awesome birthday present. Today. Oh, and happy birthday, Fresh! Right, love that guy so much. His Bitmoji is the best. <laughs> but um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that track to Fresh tomorrow and be like, man, this is just outside what I can do. Can you mm-hmm. do something with it on? On Yo or Jams because it's it, it deserves to be heard. It's good. Well, and you just reminded me of something I've been trying to accomplish. Yes. Like, you are here on News Talk in the mornings, mm-hmm. and you're on with three men, and you are the lady. <laughs> and, well, yes, you're for, for, for the most part, usually. Um, <laughs> well, the microphones are on. Yes. Uh, but you also are doing your thing with the gum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're tracking anywhere else. Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. And so, like, you're part of the Blue Water family. Yeah. And what I wanted to s- kind of break down the walls of, it, with at least sometimes on the show, is you're on all these different stations yeah. here in the Blue Water family, whether it's Kiss 96.1, mm-hmm. 104.9 The Gum, Brandon, who's on here all the time, he's helping out with Yo. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deant, Toy Toy, Jams, Christy, she's on Bama Country, she's on, I think, Kiss as well. Uh, she's on possum. She's on possum. She's on possum. Uh, on the po- so it's like we all actually work in the same building. Yeah. We see each other every day. And to be like, oh, they're in their lanes. They're in their own little world and tracking boost. No, we do see each other. Yeah. And what I've found is these talented, interesting people who you don't get into radio for the money, number one. <laughs> That's the truth. And you do it because... <laughs> Either you don't want to work with your hands, or you actually, I think, find what you're doing interesting, and you love it. Mm-hmm. And so when you bring people on from a variety of different backgrounds, different stations, genres of music, you don't even have to talk about music. We don't every night mm-hmm. that we have a show together. But you bring these people on, and you find so... 
it's awesome. I love radio people because sometimes they're really freaking weird, but then and I'm certainly part of the really freaking weird part. Yeah, but we're lovably weird. Exactly. And like our office parties are epic. Yeah. Oh god. I mean, we actually get to have fun at work. And I love that it is local, so it isn't like, oh, everybody has to stay in their lane. I'm like, hey, you want to come up? Yeah, why not? I'm going to tell you, I had an office job. Uh, I took a break from radio for a handful of years, and I had an office job, and it's actually that job that got like took me from Mobile to Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And I'll always be grateful for that, because that's how I fell back into radio with, with Blue Water. It's just I started only doing gum. Just run by here. Do gum. Yeah, the way you get hired is pretty epic. Yeah. Well, you want something, you go, go and get for it. it. That's yeah. what you do. You send an email to who you don't know is the boss at the time, and you say, eh, y'all need me. Trust me. <laughs> Look at the email. If I, if I had met Rick Peters beforehand, there's have. no way I would have sent that email that was like, look, you got a bunch of dudes on your station, girls like rock and roll too. Let me come help you. I'll 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 track that for free for you. How Let humble. me help you. How right? humble of you. God bless America. But thank God he was like, who are you? Come by here. <laughs> who is this? Who is emailing me at nine o'clock at night? This moxie and this attitude coming at me. Right. So I mean I got back into it that way and and then that led to there was a vacancy on Kiss, and he was like, "You can do that. You know that music." And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, "I'm not that format." I know some of that music, not yeah. at all. Well, I'll tell you right now, I am that format just as much as I am that alternative format. I am, I am that Kiss format too because every dang old song that comes on, I'm like, "Oh, my parents played this for me here." The oh, only I grew up listening to this. The only thing I could do on Kiss is like if Rick wanted me to do like a Prince Hour. I could do that. Right. I know that. I like learned the back so of my much hand, about Prince from you that I shared. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. Nice. Like, Joey taught me this. Yeah. But so that's, so that's how it happened. You know, Gump and then Kiss. And then two days I filled in up here. And that was, you know. Well, and Greg teases you. He loves you so much. The morning. He does. He does. He does. Um, and you and Jay have this love-hate relationship. And yeah, we have a, we have a good time in the morning and I'm very grateful for that but you know it came in April that I transitioned from having a part-time job in addition to a full-time job to becoming full-time over here and in addition to those three stations yeah and you know curating the Gump Local Showcase I'm also creative services director mm. so yesterday I had uh, I had basically a, a week's where like three or four days worth of work come into my inbox all at once Hmm. and i zeroed in focused on it and and knocked it out and it was so rewarding because i've worked in that environment of an an office an office of answering the phone greeting people as they come in filing this doing that and i want to believe i did very well at my job otherwise i wouldn't have you know gone the way i've gone but to be here that kind of i don't even want to call it stress but Having those things to do yesterday, I was so happy to be focused and doing that, something that I believe I excel at, versus let me go file 84 sheets of paper in a warehouse. Right. Well, and I was going to ask you, even though you're very grateful uh, to your former employer, do you think working, being out of radio, then put dipping your toe back in, but then having to go to the other job made you realize how much you love radio. I think it did, and I also think that, um, you know, I 
it put a lot of stuff into perspective for me because I think the way that I was going in Mobile, I was uh, quickly becoming big fish, little pond. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was younger. You know, I started in radio when I was 22. And then like a month later, I turned 23. Mm -hmm. And um, I was with that station for six years and, and, and built a good, built a great career for myself with them but then you know when the economy collapsed in 2008 I went from being full time to part time and that part time got scaled back even more actually when the economy failed in 2008 and the consultants came in which if you've ever had to deal with consultants no I've never had to deal with consultants thank you lucky stars because it's horrible but the consultants came in and uh, and and talked to them about making cuts and then they left (sighs) and so the next day they all always seemed to happen around Valentine's Day because you paid the first and the fifteenth, and so it would always be around Valentine's Day that people's heads would roll. And yeah. so I got, I got, I went from full time, and they fired me, and then checked back in with the consultants. You know, okay, these this is where we made our cuts, mm. and then I got a call that happened at ten o'clock in the morning. I got a call at three o'clock in the afternoon that said, okay, we're going to bring you back part time. We don't want to get rid of you. Your numbers are are great. On was it like office space? Where you're, like, doing an interview with the two dudes? Like, so what do you do around here? No. <laughs> they never... They, they never, they never talk no, to you? they talk to the program director, and they yeah. talk to the sales manager, and they talk to the two owners, and it was just like... Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a show in a couple of weeks. A guy made a video, a guy, you know, who invited me to that conference went to, Sean Malone. He's the director mm-hmm. of uh, creative content and media Foundation for Economic Education. And he made a video about why is it, especially in the last 30 years, there are so many bad guys in Hollywood movies that are businessmen. Like, you can imagine a few, like, really probably good bad guys that's like the big CEO businessman. Yeah. But it's like now such a trope, even to the point where you can have Will Ferrell doing it in the Lego movie as Mr. Business Mm -hmm. or whatever. That why do we just think oh businessmen are so evil and I think it's sometimes because businessmen and people who own businesses have to make tough decisions but I step back and I go it's a beautiful thing that what we're doing right here is a business like it makes people money it grows the economy it gives advertisers exposure it gives all sorts of people more to do with their life and so when it's working sometimes the economy turns down but when it's working it's such a beautiful thing oh yeah it's like i get to have fun for a living it's amazing you get to curate music i get to be in a creative environment all day long which is all i've ever wanted and i get paid to be here and i think the thing with the evil businessmen and stuff is because you do have to make those tough decisions but I think some people that grow up and want to be powerful and in charge of a company think that they have to to be cold-hearted and mm, numb some. to make those decision decisions. But that's that's not the case, and nothing has ever proved it more than what I went through this past month. With you know, Rick's got eight stations. Like mm-hmm. we're all his kids, basically, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, you know, like we talked about, I'm on three different stations. I just came on in April doing, uh, you know, the production side of things, too. And this stuff happens with my mom very unexpectedly. Yeah. And I didn't know which way it was going to go. 
I didn't know if I was driving over to Georgia for the last time or what was going to happen. So when I got that phone call, my office is down from his, and he, I don't know if he overheard me or what happened, but I popped my head in there and I said, hey, I've got a family situation. It's my mom. I don't know what's happening. I need to go over there. My stuff was done for the day. This is about 11 o'clock. So, mm-hmm. so everything that I do daily was done. Um, and he said, go keep me posted. Now, I saw you leaving literally out the door that day. Yeah, I was like supposed you, to do the show with you that night. Yeah. I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, and I understood immediately. You look like you'd seen a ghost. I mean, it was, uh, well, I'm, and your mom's doing well? Yeah, um, and I know I've done this on the morning show, but I haven't, you know, uh, really addressed it, addressed it. But she had an, an aortic dissection. She had a tear from her ascending aorta through like the hook part into the descending mm-hmm. aorta and uh, they repaired the ascending and for the descending they did a thing called a frozen elephant trunk a frozen elephant yeah trunk. because i was like this is a joke right i mean i know we're alabama fans and we're in georgia we're but but right but yeah. i was like what's going on and so uh, you know before they decided they needed to do open heart surgery immediately and they got her from the hospital in Griffin to Atlanta to Emory and had a great, great thoracic surgeon and Dr. Keeling. But, you know, he came in to talk to mom before surgery. They had already gotten her all hooked up and ready to go. And I asked a lot of questions. And I said, what exactly is about to happen? And he drew the heart on a board and he said, you know, we're, this is how we're going to fix up the ascending part. And then over here, we're going to do a, a frozen elephant trunk. And I was like, this is a, is this a joke? frozen elephant trunk the paperwork she had to sign said frozen elephant trunk and then you know she's gone into surgery for almost nine hours and i'm googling frozen elephant trunk and it's a real legitimate thing well, it's better than some latin mumbo jumbo right? nobody can pronounce but you know what mom took latin in high school <laughs> and she's really smart so she would have been like oh yes yeah, okay i know what that is you know she's got her master's in education so she would have been like mm, yes exactly but uh, i can't thank our listeners enough for all the kind uh, text messages and emails and Facebook messages of thoughts and they're keeping my mom in their prayers and ha- having put her on their church list and their, their prayer groups. And I'm so grateful for that, but I'm especially grateful to work for this company Yes, to where Rick did everything he could on his end to make sure I was able to spend as much time as I needed to over there. I would be over there for three or four days and come back and, and record a bunch of stuff to air to afford to go back over there yeah. for another three or four days. Well, and I have felt the same things uh, when my mom got very sick and uh, she died. The, I, I made a decision I wanted to work. Like I, I didn't. I wanted to keep my routine other than the day of the funeral because, just I thought it'd be healthier for me to keep the routine, not sit at home, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rick, uh, Greg, Dan, everybody I work with directly was so understanding. And also, what you said. Sometimes you get up here, especially a studio hermit like me. I'm up here now seven hours a day. Yeah, I do news and views. It's like ten or nine. But that's and fun, news and music. It well. is. Baron's <laughs> hoot. Um, he's, that guy's awesome. It, it's, uh, you get in your own head sometimes. Like, all I'm seeing is a studio. Yeah. And I have to check myself and realize how many different little boom boxes or radios or car speakers or these things. Are Earbuds. People hearing right now or mm-hmm. people listen afterwards to podcasts. 
And when mom passed, the amount of people who reached out who had never talked to on air before, you feel the love and you start to feel the family. And uh, it's amazing, uh, the listeners here and the people here in this community. The, They're the, amazing. The kindness, just the general kindness and caring, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm especially grateful for. Well, on this somber note, which song should we go out with? Um, Hold on, Joey. Let me see. <laughs> we have a list here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Let's go out with... Let's go out with... Ooh, the great book of John in the end. The Great Book of John in the end. You're listening to the Joy Clark Radio Hour. My guest this evening, Emily Hayes. We'll be right back after this quick break. Joey Clark. is Lady Legs. Indeed. The song is No Job. Mm-hmm. You can hear all this song, I believe, all sorts of other yeah. songs in full. Starts at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock every Sunday night. The Gump Local Showcase. 104.9 FM. Yes, our sister station. Yeah, it's uh, great stuff. And you said these folks are... They are from Auburn. Okay. They are from Auburn and they got scooped up 
went up to Birmingham, recorded their record, Holy Heat Wave. That's awesome. Which just got released a couple of weeks ago. Um, but in in anticipation of that album, they were getting a lot of foreign press, a lot of stuff from uh, BBC. Nice. And um, it's great. Uh, this and NME, which is very respected. So. See, it used to be like you had to be Jimi Hendrix, who go actually goes across the pond, yeah. and then you get exposure that way. Now it can happen from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really has. I've struggled with this. Because I was born and raised here. I only went to Auburn for college. This conference, I'm hanging out and talking to people who are living in Los Angeles, living from New York City, Nashville, all Las Vegas, all over the country. And I'm hitting it off with them, having a great time. I didn't feel like the country bumpkin around them. <laughs> uh, like, I'm really just enjoying myself. So I, I've had this struggle with me. I'm like George Bailey without all the good deeds or the love interest. Not seen. That. No, no. Here's what I mean by that. Okay. It's like he always wanted to go off and be this great architect and see the world. Uh-huh. And there's a part of me that's always wanted to go out there and see the world. And not just as a tourist, like know people in different parts of the world and be able to travel. And I felt like, oh, I'm going to be caged or I'm going to be unhappy if I stay in Montgomery. But... Over the last few months, I've really started to question that, that Montgomery could be a great place to lay down roots, the place I was born and raised, but I can still hop off from Montgomery and go on a trip to somewhere else. I can I can make this work. And in a way, you used to be landlocked. Now with our modern technological highfalutin things out there, <laughs> you can be a band at a small label in Birmingham and suddenly a BBC hears you and go, this is fantastic. Yeah. And you can meet new people and get exposure without having to up and move. And, I mean, I think touring will always be a thing. If you really want to get a following, I think you need to tour. Oh, you have to tour. You have to tour. There are, um, I knew a program director who wouldn't wouldn't get behind a local band unless they could sell out their hometown and venues within a 30 mile radius mm. he was like why why am i wasting my time on it and that guy had a lot of uh really great stations in his um portfolio that he built up and stuff but he had his own philosophy philosophy about things and you know that's uh i want to say that i have a philosophy about how i how I go through the music and stuff like that, but the biggest thing is if it if it grabs me and holds my attention, mm. you know. And we've had some stuff submitted well, that's it's th- hard to put into words though. Yeah. Uh, it, tomorrow night I'm, I'm doing a show with uh, Brittany Hunter about Joseph Campbell's the series called The Power of Myth. It's uh, finally on Netflix. Bill Moyers did it yeah. with Campbell. It was the last two years of Joseph Campbell's life. I heard you talking about it the other day. They were at uh, George Lucas's ranch or whatever, because they talk about Star Wars and the hero's journey. How that movie, the first one in particular, is such a great embodiment of old myths. Some like Japanese myths, some other kind of American Western, Native American. It, it really embodies the hero's journey that Star Wars does. And there's so much about that school of thought, like kind of comparing mythologies and stories, old and new, across cultures, that leads you the, to this idea that everything can't be logical and you can't put everything into words. And in fact, the most meaningful things in life 
is when you push yourself a little bit beyond what you can actually put into words or say, this is the exact paint-by-number reason I did this. But when you push yourself a little bit and you just wait for that feeling that this feels right, this feels meaningful, you know you're probably going in the right direction. And I think it's the same way with a good song. It's like, why do I like Prince so much? I, I could you know, sit on some psychiatrist's couch and <laughs> theorize about it all day. But at the end of the day, it's like, it just resonates. Yeah. Like, I can remember literally having a transcendent moment listening to the 1985 live Purple Rain. It's a 25-minute rendition. And it was a really tough time. You know, you're a moody teenager. Yeah. And that song being about purple, being the, a, a color that's about, number one, royalty, royalty is one symbol, but also a union. That, that red and blue coming together, man, woman. Uh, and it it's a song about overcoming hurt and pain and normal uh, boundaries that we all live by and wanting to be something more. And... And you know, only want to see laughing in the purple rain. It, and I'm not going to wax poetic too much more. But it, I remember being in my bedroom, being overtaken by that song and taken to a different place where it helped me process some things I was going through emotionally. And it's I can't explain it. And people, dare I say it was a religious experience. It's not like I worship Prince as a god. It was like, <laughs> no, that's so cool that that guy who did worship God can affect me that way. And sometimes a song hits you where it's not, maybe not that deep. It's like, oh, this is fun. Or, oh, this makes me cry. Or this makes me laugh. I mean, there's different moods and meaningful things. Music is a universal language. It doesn't have to be in your native tongue for you to understand the emotion and feeling behind it. You don't have to know how to speak German to understand that there's some heavy stuff going down in Duhas. Yes. You know? <laughs> by Rammstein. Yeah. Like, you, you don't have to speak German. Right. I mean, the tone of his voice, the feeling of the music, the crescendos, the, the, the crashing of everything... It's whatever's happening is not good. And it's really, you know, if you were in a situation, if you could describe walking into a room as a situation, uh, as a song, and you were walking into that musical room mm -hmm. and that was playing, that's one that you would do the step back out of. Yeah, the what door. is going on in here? I'm going to leave now. See, but, uh, you know, Campbell would say to uh, follow that. The thing you're most afraid of. Oh, God. The thing you're most afraid of is where you'll find your most meaning. And that's not, you know, it's not like practical things, like, you know, be safe. Yeah. But in terms of, like, overcoming your ego, it's about, oh, like, I'm so scared of the comedy, stand-up comedy stage, but I like it. Yeah. But I'm scared. You should probably go do it. Or, like, people out there want to be on radio. Like, oh, I don't know how to do it. You make excuses. Go do it. If, if you feel this tug towards something, follow that meaning. As he, Campbell puts it, it's a little sappy. Follow your bliss. Um, and it, have you seen or do you remember Nat Geo did a video where they found a tribe of people that were still living in like kind of hunter-gatherer ways. Mm -hmm. And they were completely, I think in South America, and they're completely removed from the world. Like they had not seen the modern world. They're in the jungles. And this guy was able to kind of learn the language through other locals and get the tribe to agree to sit down and talk to him. 
And what he did is he didn't just interview them. What he did is he set up a television and, you know, speakers, and he showed them the modern world and recorded their reaction. Oh, wow. I haven't seen that, but I and, really want to And now. number one, they looked at modern warfare, and they first thing they asked, like, they saw these huge artillery guns shooting off shells and missiles. They showed them ICBM. They're going, why is modern man so cowardly? That's how they reacted. Oh, wow. Why are you attacking from hundreds of miles away? Why wouldn't you stand up and be courageous and face the person you're wanting to fight and kill? What's your reason? And there are other things that didn't quite translate, but they played these folks' music, like opera from Europe and rock and roll. They And the music, they like obscure opera... They immediately, they're listening to this woman sing, and one of the people in the tribe says, oh, she's sad. And, like, they start immediately feeling it. So when you said music's a universal language, yeah, there there's some different styles. We kind of, depending on what you go through in life, you manifest that universal language in a different way. But I thought it was so cool that they found so much of the modern world bizarre, but modern music, they went, oh, I kind of understand it. Yeah. It, it swept them away, and just like it would swept you or I away. And I love moments like that. It's, it's something as silly as, like, I'm watching a wrestling WWE thing, in, and it's in Saudi Arabia. And 50,000 Saudi kids and teenagers and young adults, not the royals and the rich ones who are up near the ring. They kind of were just there to be there. But the people in the stadium are all chanting the same things an American or a Canadian or a European audience would chant. They knew who to boo. They knew who to cheer. And I was like, wait, this is Saudi Arabia? And this is a common thing now, this kind of carnival form of entertainment? I love moments like that, where it, it undresses this, oh, the Saudis are so foreign and different. Yeah. But no, they want... People have the same urges and drives. It manifests differently, but it's so cool when that moment takes you out of, oh, I'm just Joey Montgomery. It's like, no, you're a human being, and you're not going to love everybody. Don't give me that crap. You love your parents, and you love your spouse or your fiance or your boyfriend or your girlfriend more than somebody you don't know on the other side of the world. You obviously love the person you interact with every day, hopefully. But uh, there are moments where you can realize I am part of a bigger community. And, well, music is the thing that helps bring that together a little bit. Sometimes it divides it. Sometimes stuff going on in German, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, dude. Some of the most heated arguments I've ever seen or been a part of are over the quality level of a band. One that you just absolutely love, and then the person sitting next to you is like, ugh, this is crap. Well, we're out of time. I'm glad you picked this one. Yeah, we're going out with the Grenadines. The song is Shake. Thanks for having me, Joey. Thank you for being here, Emily. I'll be back tomorrow night, folks.